0: Good health is a crown worn by the healthy that only the ill can see. Your health really is your wealth. Join us for the next hour as we explore disease and attaining and maintaining good health. This is Dischem Medical Monday, brought to you by Dischem, pharmacists who care.
1: Good morning, this is Dr. Dean Gerson. I'm going to be hosting your Dischem Medical Monday, and we have a special guest with us, Dr. Liat Malek. She is a specialist radiologist at the Breast Wellness Center in Sunning Hill and Linksfield. They do sonars, they do mammograms, they do bone densitometry. And we're going to be speaking about breast cancer, seeing that this is Breast Cancer Awareness Month. Welcome, Liat. Thank you for coming for the sh- to the show.
2: Thank you so much for having me.
1: Okay, so we're going to uh, go straight into it. Who are you and what do you do? I've given you a brief introduction, but uh, if you can just tell me what you do on a day-to-day basis.
2: So I'm a specialist radiologist. I qualified um, in in Cape Town and uh, then did my speciality of radiology at, uh, as you know, at WITS. Um, and I learned quite early on in my career that uh, breast imaging needed to be a specialized focus. Um, so that's what I did. I began um, my career in breast imaging with Dr. Shirley Lipschitz, and we've... Uh, uh slowly rebranded the practice so that I could be incorporated into it as the breast wellness center. Um, and uh, what we do is do screening and diagnostic um, imaging of women. Um and um, and as well as uh, the screening of uh, bone densitometry, as you said, as for osteoporosis, early detection of that. Um, and our practice uh, has uh, mammography. We have the, um, the latest equipment, which is a three-dimensional tomosynthesis, which we can get into a bit later. Uh, we do ultrasounds of the breasts. And then we do all the diagnostic procedures uh, for patients uh, who we need to investigate further when they do present with something.
1: Okay great, thank you. Let's talk about screening. So what exactly is screening and why is it important?
2: So by definition, screening is an examination or a procedure that can be applied rapidly and easily to an asymptomatic population, um, and it's to identify an unrecognizable disease. So it's women that come to us that are asymptomatic, they don't feel anything, but they're just checking themselves to see whether they do have a very small beginning of a breast cancer. Um, and the goal of screening mammography uh, is to diagnose a breast cancer early. And studies have proven that diagnosing breast cancer in the early stages reduces the mortality, reduces the death rates, um, from, uh, breast cancer. Um, in approximately 85% of cases of breast cancer, um, that, di- that are diagnosed early, we are able to treat them very successful, successfully, um, with less, uh, less invasive um, and less uh, um, hectic, if you want to say, um, treatments.
1: Sure. Okay. So who needs, uh, who should be screening? From what age should they be uh, having breast screening?
2: Okay. So women in general. So the um, one in eight women uh, in the world, uh, will develop a breast cancer in their lifetime. So that is a huge percentage. And, That's
1: and in South Africa do we have different statistics? We don't
2: have different statistics. Um, we know that uh, breast cancer is the number one cancer in whites, Asians, and colored population. Um, and it's the second most common cancer um, in the black population. After so cervical cancer. Exactly, after okay. cervical cancer. And what
1: about in our Jewish, the Ashkenazi Jewish population? Okay. So
2: now we're talking about more the hereditary and the gene related cancers and Ashkenazi Jews of very prone um, and have got a very high risk of developing one of the hereditary breast cancers known as the BRCA, uh, BRCA1 and BRCA2. So Ashkenazi Jews are definitely at a high risk in our population.
1: Okay, so when should we? When should they come and see you?
2: So every woman before the age of thirty should have her risk evaluated. So she needs to go to the primary level to a GP, um, sit down and discuss family history, her own medical history, etc. But generally speaking, an average woman should start screening mammography at the age of forty. Um, and uh, studies have shown that from the age of forty, an annual mammogram reduces the death rate of breast cancer, or of the death of from breast cancer, by thirty to forty percent.
1: Okay, so it's once a year. What's actually involved with having a mammogram? What's the procedure? So
2: a mammogram is a simple x-ray of the breast. Um, so it's the same type of x-ray technology that we use for the chest or even for CAT scan. But it's a very low dose radiation where the breast is compressed between two plates and it sounds very barbaric but it really isn't. Um, and especially with the latest technology now um, you know, we don't need to use too much compression but compression is involved. So the breast is uh, compressed between two plates um, and 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 then X-ray beams uh, go through the the breast and we are able to see the the anatomy of the breast quite uh, quite nicely um and the technology has evolved quite significantly so nowadays we actually use three-dimensional tomosynthesis mammography
1: what does that mean excuse that um, <laughs> explain that complicated to
2: so um it is as it sounds it's a three-dimensional view so we are actually able to scroll through the breast um when we are examining it and able to sort of um uh, see through the breast tissue, so it you know so like d it, it, it's, it's not a two D image like 2D anymore. Image, so, no.
1: and but it's not as detailed as a CT scan. So it's uh, you
2: can't do a CT scan On the breast. That yes. hasn't been invented yet. You can do MRIs of the yes, breast, sure. which are the most sensitive. Uh, it is the most sensitive examination. But they're just too expensive to do for screening, I guess. Too expensive and very long. So okay. um, I think in the future we'll see rapid MRI sequencing, um, which will be able to be used for screening. Because remember, screening has to be cheap and fast.
1: Okay. And when, who needs a sonar? Who will need a... So...
2: Um, uh, generally speaking All women um, That have very dense Breast tissue So density refers to What the uh, breast tissue Actually looks like On the mammogram So the breast is composed Of at least Four different types Of tissue Fat ducts Glands And fibrous structures And uh, these show up Differently on the mammogram um, When women have Very dense breasts We say that they uh, or, or they've got Lots of these structures A small cancer can hide In between all of that So we would then bring her into the ultrasound room and we would look and scan through her breast. So it's not a more sensitive um, examination. It's not a better. Often I have women ask me then why don't we just start off with the ultrasound? Um, It's not. It is not used as a screening tool but it can definitely be used as a second look um, to look through the breast tissue to help us when we are looking through or when we're looking at a mammogram. Otherwise young women. So if a young woman that's um, not a high risk patient but feels an abnormality um, will Come into our practice, I would start off with doing an ultrasound and a clinical examination and discussing why why are women? So young women have dense breasts by definition. Okay, they and what are young,
1: below thirty. You are saying below forty, actually. Below forty. Yes. Okay. So unless
2: they're at a high risk, okay, okay, which we would discuss and assess before. Um, and uh, the problem with dense breasts is, like I said, you know, it's difficult to see through on a mammogram. Um, also, younger breasts are more sensitive to the effects of radiation. So we would essentially be doing a mammogram on a young woman. We won't be able to see much on the mammogram, you know, and and we would be giving her a dose of radiation. So we would rather. Start off with an ultrasound, and then decide whether we need to move it on to a um, to a mammogram.
1: Okay, so a patient comes in, they have their mammogram or their ultrasound, and you see something. Sp- Suspicious What's the next step uh, First of all What is something suspicious And then What is the next step
2: Okay Well um, Hopefully we'll catch A breast cancer uh, Before a woman Actually feels anything How
1: big How big Does a cancer need to be Or a lump need to be Before you'll feel it
2: It can be very small So It just some, depends Where in the absolutely. breast Absolutely It depends where it is In the breast If it's deeper If it's more superficial How how big the breasts are um, And how um, You know And how a, a, a Alert a woman is At um, And just or Knowing her own breast tissue So I mean, I've had women where I don't feel a lump, but she says, no, no, this is new. This is a a lump, and that's why it's so important for women to feel their own breasts and to know what their breast tissue uh, feels like.
1: Okay, and we'll get into that when a woman uh, should check or how she should check. We're going to take a quick ad break, and we'll get back to speaking about suspicious lumps.
0: This is Medical Monday brought to you with compliments of Dyscam, pharmacists who care.
1: Welcome back to the Discam Medical Monday. I'm Dr. Dean Gerson, your host. ...of the Disk Medical Monday. Remember, you can be in touch with us with our studio number. You can call in 010-140-3020. You can get us on Telegram 061-895-1019. Or you can SMS 34519 your questions for Dr. Liat Malek. She is a specialist radiologist who works at the Breast Wellness Center at Linksfield and Sunninghill, And we're talking about breast cancer. Right, yeah, we've just spoken now about screening And you found something suspicious on sonar mammogram What does this look like and what is the next step?
2: Um, I think it's a bit uh, complicated to get into what it looks like for me.
1: Yes.
2: Um, but uh, I would obviously counsel um, the woman, that the patient that's sitting in front of me. Um, it is very stressful. Um, and we often um, do see false negatives so or false positives, should I say. So uh, that means that something may not necessarily be a cancer but may look suspicious. And, you know, we try and counsel the woman accordingly. Um What we would do is um, at our practice we would do um, we would need to then send a, s- a sample of this tissue to uh, to pathology, so we would have to do um, a guided biopsy, so we wouldn 't just blindly be putting in a needle into the breast and testing the tissue we would actually look either sonographically, which is the preferred method um, or we would go um, with the with the guidance of a mammogram um, to get a sample of the exact region of the exact area that we are concerned about and send it to the pathologists for them to have a better look at it um, and analyze what we 're dealing with
1: okay and you do a, a needle needle aspiration, you do a core biopsy. For those of you who um, don't know what those are, fine needle aspiration is where you put a tiny, thin little needle in and you only get a few cells. You don't get the best representation of the tissue, but it's sometimes good for screening. And a core biopsy is where you put in a thicker needle and you get a, a bigger chunk of tissue.
2: So we've evolved quite a lot from uh, doing FNAs. In fact, um, I have to just say that Dr. Lipschitz was one of the the doctors that brought in core needle biopsies into the breast field in South Africa. So she was really revolutionary in that. Um, And core needles is um, where you take a bigger sample. Like you said, it's not just a few little cells. And we want that because we've been able to advance our ability to look through the tissue um, and to analyze it on a molecular level so we know exactly what we're dealing with. So we don't do FNAs anymore. Uh, we'll only do an FNA if we're worried about a cyst and we're just trying to aspirate symptomatically it yeah, aspirate it. But if we're worried about something, we would do a core needle biopsy. Um, it's a, a it's a relatively, it's a clean procedure, not an aseptic do procedure. Ex- okay, do you want to explain? And we would give a bit of a local anesthetic, and then using guidance, imaging guidance, where ultrasound, whatever, we would put in a small little needle. So it's still small, it's yeah. not okay. huge. Um, and it's painless, really. It's, uh, it's... So m- the local
1: anesthetic's just the painful part. Exactly, and then, actually. Pain. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Okay, and there's no stitches or anything afterwards.
2: No stitches, nothing. Okay, and then we send minimal that to
1: the, we send that to the laboratory, they look at the cells under the microscope, they see, what type of cells they are. And then you can also do genetic testing on those, um, cells if you've got a good enough sample.
2: Well, yeah, we don't do the genetic testing that you're looking, that you discussed, that you're referring to, um, the BRCA gene, I think you're talking yeah. about. We look at the molecular, um, makeup of these cells. So, uh, breast cancer is not one solitary disease. It's actually a spectrum of different type of cancers, um, or different diseases. Um, and we're able to analyze the type of cancer based on its molecular involvement. So for example some, uh, some cancers are sensitive to estrogen and progesterone So we know that a certain treatment will be more effective for that um, You get HER2 positive um, Okay so let's yeah. go into
1: the different uh, cancers that, y- that you can find So you now do the biopsy You send it to the pathologist and they send you back a report um, Does the patient come back to you or do you phone them Or do they go, back to, do they go to a different specialist straight away What's the process?
2: So I like to manage all my patients. I like to know where they're going. I like to make sure that they're going to the right specialists. And if uh, possible, we like to keep them in our multidisciplinary team. Um, so, uh, you know, I would phone the patient up or bring her in and discuss the results with her. Um, and then depending on what we found, we may need to send her directly to a surgeon, which is preferable because ultimately every breast cancer will be treated with surgery at the end of the day, um, or we would refer primarily to an oncologist.
1: Okay, so that's why it's really important to have a multidisciplinary team. You'll have, uh, right. we'll add me, you'll have a, a surgeon, an oncologist, maybe a radiation oncologist. You'll have your. Radiologists, psychologists, anyone? I've left out.
2: Absolutely, lots. Geneticists. A
1: geneticist, maybe a navigator, someone to keep them uh, on. Usually, on it's their the journey. between
2: the oncologists, um and the um, the surgeon that sort of keeps them along. We don't really have navigators as such, but it's not a bad idea. So I know at the Mopac yeah.
1: Park at the Park Breast Centre, I yes. know that they have a special person that, uh, called a navigator yeah. that will yeah. keep the patient on their journey, remind them about appointments, yeah. and. Um, you know just keep them uh, if any problems that they come along might be difficult you know yeah, always to get hold okay. of the doctor so they can phone the their navigator that's okay the so let's let's talk about the different types um, of cancers that we see. I've heard of something like a pre-cancer, a um, uh, cancer in situ. Can you talk about that?
2: Right. So um, there are different types of cancers. So um, We get uh, lesions in the breast that may be high-risk lesions, um, and then you get the pre-malignant condition. So the high-risk lesion is a lesion that may eventually uh, be associated with the breast cancer or may become cancerous. Um, but then we're talking about pre-malignant. The in situ is more of a pre-malignant condition. Um, it's almost like a sleep Breast okay, cancer. but it's for sure
1: going to turn into a cancer if you it's, leave
2: it. Yeah, well, I mean, it's controversial. I wouldn't, I, I haven't met a single surgeon or oncologist or pathologist that would leave it in. But, uh, the very low grade in situ is, um, you know, some say that those are overdiagnosed, um, and, uh, they blame mammography for that. Okay. But I haven't met anyone that would leave it in. But yes, um, some, uh, the high risk, uh, in situ cancers, uh, will definitely be. So what are
1: the high risk? Doctor, uh, duct- DCIS or what, cons- what constitutes a high risk? So
2: LCIS, uh, lobular carcinoma in situ is also high risk, um, but less so. The ductal carcinoma in situ is in, st- in fact, um, some pathologists don't even consider them as in situ. Um, they consider them uh, invasive cancers because already. Because they're going
1: to become invasive be- inevitably well, or um, they might be invasive already?
2: More on a cellular level okay. they're saying that the fact that they've got a basement membrane doesn't actually mean that they're not invasive. It just means that this type of cancer is producing uh, it's very controversial. You know, some buy, for, buy it and some okay, don't. Okay, so
1: just to explain what a basement, basement membrane is uh, lining, almost a cell lining that when the cancer cells are, have not invaded the basement membrane, then it's not considered invasive, meaning it hasn't spread uh, past its own capsule or its own basement membrane. Okay, but we would still, you would still send those to a surgeon and they would we'll dis- we'll discuss it. Tr- so maybe while we're on it, let's discuss the treatment of the non-invasive cancer. Cancers.
2: Of the well, um, the in situ cancers, the in situ yeah. um, So I mean, it's it's very different. Uh, the first thing we would want to do is do an MRI in all our patients. And um, the MRI is more sensitive, and we want to assess that the breast, that the area that we saw on mammogram is indeed the only area in the breast, and also bilaterally, that there's no other cancer in the contralateral breast, in the opposite side. Um And um, and then it depends on those factors, um, and risk factors, and patient factors, how well they. Are what type of surgery they would get, and um, that would be discussed at the multidisciplinary. Um, level, um, and also patient preferences as well and comorbidities, of course. Um, usually it's a, uh, it can be managed as simply, as simple as a lumpectomy and, and depending. So also just cutting out the
1: actual area cutting of Cutting out cancer.
2: the area of the cancer with a sufficient enough margin that we know that there aren't further cells that, you know, um, and then usually it does involve some radiation. So one would, uh, send her to an, a radiation oncologist for that. Okay. Yeah.
1: Okay, and um, let's talk about now the more advanced cancers or the invasive cancers.
2: So uh, the invasive cancers, um, you know, it just depends on uh, when when we find them. So um, should we go to... We can go to, to a break, break, break and we'll and get then into I'll
1: that hear.
0: now. Okay, uh, great. This is Medical Monday brought to you with compliments of DISCAM, pharmacists who care.
1: Welcome back to Discam Medical Monday. I'm Dr. Dean Gerson. I'm your host. Remember, you can get in touch with us 010 140 3020, that's for calling in. Telegram 061 895 1019 and SMS 34519. You can send your questions to Dr. Liath Malik. She's a specialist radiologist working at the Breast Wellness Center in Lynxfield and in Sunninghill, and we're talking about breast cancer. We're just about to talk. About invasive breast cancers or what happens when you, what are the types of breast cancer and what happens when you get diagnosed with the breast cancer.
2: Um, so, uh, the breast, the invasive breast cancers, um, when diagnosed on a screening level, in other words, they are stage one. So they are very small. Patient hasn't really felt them. They haven't advanced further than that area in the breast that they're involved. Um, so, uh, we test those, uh, that tissue. We send it to the pathologist. Um, and, uh, the cancer can actually be analyzed on a molecular level. Um, so that treatment can be directed specifically at these molecular subtypes Of breast cancer um, As you know, there's, uh, you know there's As you mentioned before There's ductal carcinomas uh, Those are uh, cancers that uh, Invasive cancers that arise from the Ductal uh, parts of the breast And lobular which uh, come from The terminal ductal lobular Units the TDLUs of the breast tissue Those are the milk producing uh, Parts of the breast uh, Those are the two main cancers um, And on a molecular level we look at um at different uh, proteins that they are um, involved in uh, or involved with and um, and genetic um, markers so we look at for example estrogen and progesterone um, ERPR positive cancers um those are sensitive to hormones so those are the the the, uh, the pa- those are the the cancers that would be able to target with anti-hormonal okay treatments. so that,
1: that would affect the treatment afterwards so yeah and positive yeah. tumour, and then you can give them drugs as well as the surgical or radiation. Absolutely, treatment.
2: absolutely. Okay. And then you get um, HER2 positive tumours. Um, uh, HER2 is also a protein. Um, uh, and it's, uh, it's a receptor on the, in the cell, and it actually, um, is involved in the, um, the m- multiplication and, and the, of the cell itself.
1: Okay, so you can suppress that. You suppress with that the, Herceptin. With Herceptin, that's yeah, Okay, absolutely. so they'll go on that. Um, yeah. So do people, I, I know this might not be in your field, but would, would people only go on, um, maybe tamoxifen, uh, uh, or, um, a hormonal treatment or the Herceptin? Or is there always a surgical procedure involved?
2: There's, in 99% of the time, surgical treatment involved. The only time you wouldn't treat with surgery is if uh, you have comorbidities that don't allow you to have treatment. And then it also depends on, on your age and, and all of that. So okay,
1: so comorbidities meaning the patient is too sick to have either surgery or maybe too old. Or they've yeah. got other problems which do not permit them to undergo general anesthetic and exactly. have... And have that kind of treatment Exactly, yes Okay, so we've spoken about screening Now that a patient comes in For their regularly yearly testing And you find something That looks suspicious And you biopsy it What happens if a patient Feels something Mm -hmm. at home So should they be uh, examining their breasts daily or how often should they uh, be examining their own breasts at home if they 're not going for screening or in between screening That's what what, what should they be doing at home and when should they come in
2: okay so a woman should definitely be feeling their own breasts they should be examining themselves once a month at least um, i don 't want them to be paranoid and to you know go over the top once a month is absolutely fine and they should be doing this um, in between screenings Um uh, one should look for, feel for lumps, uh, so that's a little focal nodule, um, in the breast, uh, and, um, you know, breasts are lumpy by definition, okay, they're like little bunches of grapes all put together, um, so they always do feel lumpy, um, and I have many women that come in and say, oh, I feel a lump, and, and they're right, uh, it is there, but it's, it's their normal lump. If they feel their breast regularly and also always feel from one side to the other, um, then they might notice that this is actually just normal parenchyma, normal tissue of their breast. Is there any
1: place in the breast where it, it's most common to have a, a lump or is it? Uh, yes,
2: actually it is most common in the outer aspect of the breast. So
1: closer to the armpit, to the Yes, axilla.
2: absolutely. Um, that is where most of the glandular tissue is found, but, uh, we find breast cancers everywhere. So it's not a hard and fast rule. I don't want anyone thinking that's the only place they need to look. So they need to feel their entire breast.
1: Okay. And is a, um, a lump obviously not necessarily just cancer there's many other things that can cause breast lumps
2: absolutely but you have to come and get it assessed so we have to look at it and decide what it is you can't tell by feeling a lump whether it's going to be cancer or a benign lesion benign lesions that can occur that feel like lumps are cysts or fibroadenomas which are benign lesions they te- tend to develop in young women um, cysts can develop at any age um, they usually um, it's just a little uh, fluid filled sac fluid filled duct or gland um, and that can occur um, at any age so so, women, it may be a or but we really just urge women that if they feel a lump, to rather come in and let us image it.
1: Okay. And should patients go see their GP first, or should they come straight into you, or is that just personal preference?
2: It is personal preference, absolutely. Um, at the end of the day, you need to look at it under an imaging technique. So, um, by feeling a lump you know we even even the best doctor in the world will not be able to tell you whether this is a cyst a, a fibroadenoma or a, a invasive duct cancer okay
1: and can you tell that on imaging alone or would you have to biopsy
2: um we we can tell pretty um pretty specifically we can see when something looks very suspicious um and not always do we need to do a biopsy but sometimes we do when we are uncertain
1: okay um Tell tell me with regard to benign lumps. What about breastfeeding women? You often hear about women who are breastfeeding and they develop lumps in in their breasts. Should they be able? Should they come in, or what should they do?
2: Absolutely. Um. So we do see a rise in uh, breast cancers in, uh, breastfeeding and in pregnant, um, in pregnant women. Why? And why is that? Um, you know what? Uh, I don't think that we know exactly what the causes of, of the of the rise in breast cancer in, in young, well, in, in pregnant and lactating women. Um, and um, I think it's associated to the age at which we are starting to have our families or having our babies, so the older we are. Um, also, genetic components, of course, uh, can play a role in it. So when there's a lump in the breast, um, uh, it could be, and it most of the time is just a cyst or a mastitis, an infection in the breast. Um, or blocked duct Or a galactocele Which is a, a fluid fill Or a, a milk filled cyst Essentially Do the
1: hormones of pregnancy make the cancers grow fast, faster?
2: Unfortunately that is what we see So that's why it's quite important For a woman who feels a lump in her breast um, Even if she's young and pregnant Breastfeeding
1: Okay, And you, you can have completely safe treatment Of that lump or of that mass While you're still pregnant? no i wouldn't say completely <laughs> safe but say i mean it shouldn't just because you're present, pregnant it shouldn't prevent you from coming in
2: no absolutely and there are things that we can do um and that they, they you know one would have to look at it and every uh, case would be taken on an individual level um but yes we we have to find it and at the end of the day if the mother's not well then you know we have to look after the mother yeah, primarily.
1: of course, if so the mother's not well, the baby is not but going not, to be well. Yeah. And is there any evidence to show why breast cancers are happening in, in younger patients? I mean, I don't know if you – I don't know. I've, it feels like everyone's almost getting uh, cancer now, and especially breast cancer. You said it's the most common cancer in females, in, especially white, in, sorry, in, in white-colored and Asian females. Do you, are, is it presenting in younger patients? Are we seeing – and do we know why?
2: Um, So there has been a rise in breast cancer globally. Um, And uh, there's been a rise in cancer in general globally. So... um I'm not sure and I don't think anyone can pinpoint specifically as to what the causative factors are. Um, we know that, um, uh, you know, certain things like a sedentary lifestyle and smoking. Okay, um, so let's talk
1: about the risks for for breast cancer. Sedentary lifestyle, what do you mean by that? Uh,
2: so uh, women that are obese, um, high BMI, uh, don't exercise, um, you know, unhealthy f- food, um that's the sort of sedentary lifestyle we talk about. Smoking, wha- wha- alcohol.
1: Okay, and why does that make, why does that make you a high risk? Do we know, I've heard of something called the third ovary. <laughs>
2: Okay, well, the third ovary, as in, uh, breast, uh, as in fat that, uh, changes, uh, the testosterone. Is that what you
1: refer yeah, to? Yeah, so I know, <laughs> I know the more fat, uh, fatty tissue you have, it turns testosterone yeah. into, into estrogen. Oh, I, mean, that's I wonder.
2: I mean, that is true. I mean, that's why we see gynecomastia, uh, more and more in, in males as well, because they're obese and, um, their testosterone gets converted into estrogen and then they develop, uh, female breasts. So yes. Uh, Definitely plays a role.
1: Okay. And so we've spoken about sedentary lifestyle, smoking... For sure,
2: Smoking, absolutely, alcohol. all types of alcohol, absolutely, um, and then um, menstrual cycles. So, a uh, woman that develop, uh, women are starting to have their menstrual cycle um, earlier and earlier. Some, you know, some girls are starting to menstruate at the age of seven and eight.
1: And does that make you high risk for breast cancer?
2: So, it is associated with it, yes, because there's a longer space of time that you are being, or that the the woman, the girl is being. Um, um, what's the word, exposed Um, exposed to um, estrogen and progesterone so the, the younger you start menstruating and then the older you go into menopause or um, also a hormone replacement therapy If you now start introducing hormone replacements Into a woman You are um, exposing her to more hormones And therefore for those hormone uh, positive cancers Okay, what,
1: uh, what about the, So why would you go on those hormone replacements Is that for a woman who's had menopause Or gone through menopause And now she's uh, symptomatic She's not producing hormones anymore And um, why do they go into hormonal treatment
2: so, I mean, the effects of menopause are—it's another show altogether. Okay, okay. Um, but uh, it's uh, the effects of menopause can be severe, and women this day and age need to work, need to function, have young children, um, and uh, the effects of not having these hormones in your body can cause uh, havoc. So, okay,
1: so you so they put on hormone replacement therapy, and absolutely. do all hormone replacements cause? Um, Or put you in a risk for breast cancer I know you can sometimes get oestrogen by itself Or oestrogen and progesterone together
2: Um, I I think that As a general rule, hormone uh, replacements increase your risk of breast cancer okay. um, It's a very small risk So it's not necessarily it's not the only thing
1: that's going to cause your breast cancer No and
2: like with everything you have to balance Your and outweigh your risks And your benefits and see what Is the benefit of being on the hormone replacements Versus what the risks are and then manage Those risks so come for your annual mammograms Fill your breasts regularly you know I don't Want to frighten women into thinking that they Cannot be on hormone replacement therapy It is a small risk but it does exist.
1: Okay, and the oral contraceptive pill?
2: The oral contraceptive pill hasn't been shown to increase, um, uh, breast cancer. Uh, it's a very, very small dosage of, uh, of estrogen and it, it's in the, um, in the female who's in the reproductive age. So it doesn't really have a, a long-term effect that we know
1: of, of okay. course. Okay. And you spoke about reproductive age. Does falling pregnant at an earlier age or at a later age have any effect on, on breast cancer? So,
2: again, it does. So women that have never had, uh, nulliparous women, um, never had uh, pregnancies, never been pregnant before, are at a higher risk because, again, they don't have that gap. In their reproductive life cycle uh, From the hormones So yes, uh, we do Say that women that have their children younger Have more children are less And breastfeed their children Are less at risk uh, for breast cancer Than women that haven't
1: Okay, can we talk about genetic risks?
2: Okay um, So, so I, know
1: it's a, I know it's a big topic And um, we won't go into into the specifics But We've spoken about the, the BRCA gene, which is a specific gene that has uh, been shown in certain populations to be increased. I know Ashkenazi Jews have, um, increased expression of BRCA gene, some Afrikaans families. What are, are there any other populations that have BRCA gene?
2: Um, that you know? Yes, actually there's a small population of Afrikaans, um, people in this country, um, that are of Dutch descent, Norwegian descent, um, and Icelandic descent, uh, that have a, um, increased risk of breast cancer. They, well, they increased uh, or risk of, of having this BRCA gene. Um, there are many, many genes that are involved um, or that can be passed down. But the most common um, and the most the f- most famous because of uh, the Angelina Jolie gene is the BRCA1 and, and BRCA2 genes, and, of course, in our um, Ashkenazi population.
1: Which one's more, What's the difference between the BRCA1 and BRCA2? Is one more high risk than the other? Or?
2: Yes, the BRCA1 gene is slightly more high risk, but, I mean, we're talking about a uh, minimal difference. So the BRCA1 has a 50 to 80% lifetime risk, and the BRCA2 is s- around 60%, 40% to 80%. So it's it's really minimal whereas the general population as i mentioned uh, right at the beginning has a 12% uh, lifetime risk of developing cancer. So it is a huge um risk. Um and um the other cancers that are also associated with it are ovarian cancers, uh prostate cancers, fallopian tube cancers. Um Peritoneal cancers, did I mention prostate Yeah, cancers? you mentioned <laughs> prostate, yeah. Okay. And pancreatic, did I mention and pancreatic? Pa- no, you didn't mention pancreatic. In
1: two weeks' time, we're actually going to be speaking about uh, pancreatic cancer, and I have seen that there's been a lot of research, especially in Israel, about the BRCA gene and, yeah. pancre- and pancreatic cancer. Are there any other genes that have been identified besides the BRCA genes?
2: Many, many, many. Too many for us to. Okay, so, <laughs> to so, so, how, them, so yeah. do we
1: look for these genes on every patient?
2: Um, no, so again um, I would always send a patient that I feel Or um, that has been assessed To be at high risk to a genetic counsellor okay. um, And it's important for, uh, for A genetic counsellor to be involved In genetic screening of a patient Because we need to know the implications What does it mean if you are going to be tested positive For a genetic abnormality um, Or negative, does that mean that you are Not at risk of breast cancer? No, it doesn't So these things need to be discussed And they need to be, um, and need to be Understood And um, And then what is there to be done after being diagnosed with this condition? Um, and one needs to understand what, um, you know, what is it that we need to do from, from there on? So a genetic counsellor would have to get on board.
1: Are they usually part of your team or who would you send to a genetic counsellor? I know, I mean, besides a young, a young patient or maybe just a very aggressive cancer, who would you send to a genetic counsellor?
2: Um, I so know no. So I would look at the family history. That would be the most important, um, aspect. So Ashkenazi Jews, for example, that have had a, that have a history of a first degree relative that has had breast cancer early in their life. So that is, um, when's, earlier uh, than 50.
1: Earlier than 50. Yeah.
2: Um, and then if uh, they've got a family, um, a family member, first degree relative in particular that's had bilateral breast cancer or have had, um, recurrent breast cancers in their lifetime or a combination of Breast and ovarian cancer, um, and uh, or multiple women in the family that have had breast cancer. Um, And then um, at that point, I would say, you know, is there, oh, and male breast cancer actually, because males. Okay, let's
1: speak about uh, that for for a few minutes. (laughs) I mean, obviously, males do have breast tissue, it's not lactating. Though, no. but you do have breast tissue, but males can get breast well, cancer they have as the well the
2: potential of developing breast tissue should we say so okay. with uh, under the exposure of estrogens then and, and female hormones, then they will develop the glandular tissue, but as such there's no there's just the the potential to become okay. glandular.
1: so if a ma- if a male does feel a, a lump um in his uh, breast, he should come see you as well.
2: yeah, we see a lot of men absolutely
1: okay, as but my- it's not necessary to do screening on men. Am no,
2: No, not at this point. No. Okay. Not so those
1: point. women who do have a, f- a first-degree relative or multiple cancers or are high risk, what age should they begin um, their screening?
2: Um, so the the guidelines are around t- at the age of twenty-five. Wow, oh, that's young. Um, absolutely um, and then uh, and we wouldn't necessarily only offer them mammograms so we would offer them if we if that's the the path that they choose uh then uh, in other words that's that they want to just have um, higher screening or more um, enhanced screening we would also offer them mris which are more sensitive um and, um, and ultrasounds, of course. So we would, uh, do annual mammograms, annual MRIs, um, sometimes we even do six month sonars, just depending on the risk.
1: Okay. And those people you would send to a genetic counsellor probably as well?
2: Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Primarily to a genetic counsellor. And then, um, and then we would discuss it, obviously, with, uh, depending on their risk as to what the best management would be from there on.
1: Okay. Because, I mean, Angelina Jolie made it famous. She had a double mast, yeah. what's it called, a risk-reducing mm. mastectomy. Yes, it's
2: important to say risk-reducing because it reduces your risk. It doesn't eliminate the risk. Yeah,
1: I mean, you can't remove all breast tissue, can exactly. you? Exactly,
2: no, you cannot. So she had uh, bilateral mastectomies and beautiful reconstructions afterwards, but that doesn't eliminate her risk. So she still needs to continue with her screenings um, as she would have anyway.
1: Okay. And, um, have you seen that as a popular, I mean, decision? Yeah. It's a very
2: difficult decision to make. Um, and yes, I have seen it, um, on several occasions. Sometimes women don't want to know their BRCA, um, their BRCA status simply because they don't want to be make placed here and, yeah. and make that decision. That's fine. Absolutely. But they still come and screen regularly so they know what they are, you know, they, they, they know they're high risk either way.
1: Yeah. I think, I mean, uh, Long ago uh, breast can- people thought that breast cancer equals mastectomy mm-hmm. I think it's quite important to emphasize that Just because a person gets a breast cancer Doesn't mean that they're going to have a mastectomy, mastectomy Meaning removing the whole breast
2: Absolutely, no, we've moved far away and we've advanced from that. So, in fact, many of the cancers are equally uh, or treated effectively equally with a, a lumpectomy, in other words, a, a wide local excision of the cancer um, and radiation than a mastectomy. So we don't always need to do mastectomies on patients anymore.
1: Okay,
0: we'll have a talk now after the ad break about different treatments. This is Medical Monday brought to you with compliments of DISCAM, pharmacists who care.
1: Welcome back to your desk, Medical Monday. I'm Dr. Dean Gerson. We are interviewing Dr. Liat Malik. She's a specialist radiologist working at the Breast Wellness Center at Sunninghill and at Linksfield Hospitals. If you've got any questions for her, please call us 010 140 3020. You can send us a telegram 061 895 1019. Or you can SMS us on 34519. We're talking breast cancer and we're just about to speak about the different treatments now. And we said just before the ad break, that breast cancer doesn't equal mastectomy. There was an old operation called a Halstead mastectomy, which is a very devastating or, um, brutal operation. And that's where they used to remove the entire breast and they used to take the pectoralis major, the, the chest muscle down. They'd go right down to the chest wall and quite disfiguring and, and uh, deforming. But now we know that you don't have to do that at all. Some cases we can just cut out the lump. That's it then offer them radiation afterwards we do know that the result are the results the same i mean for uh, with
2: certain cancers yes so, so the
1: survival is the same whether you cut or exactly. the entire breast with a mastectomy with
2: certain different with certain types of cancers we know that they are uh, localized to that one area so they're not more diffusely in the breast um there are cancers that can be treated effectively so the long-term survival is the same as a mastectomy with a lumpectomy and radiation
1: okay so there's lumpectomy then there's wide local excision is that the same as a lumpectomy
2: um not really no um a lumpectomy is actually uh, taking quadru- out the lump itself well the lumpectomy is the lump as well as the entire surrounding segment tissue. the surrounding tissue a wide local excision is is usually reserved to benign lesions that we want to um, you know examine a bit um, more carefully so we don't worry about the surrounding tissue as much um or uh we yeah we don't usually call it a wide local excision when we take out a cancerous okay. lump okay
1: and What about spread? Let's talk about spread. So I've heard of something called a sentinel lymph node biopsy or a lymph node biopsy. Yeah, absolutely. Do you guys look at that when you do your sonar mammogram? Do you look at the axilla? Absolutely. So very
2: important. And um, for all the women listening, one must we must always feel our armpits as well when we do our own uh, breast examination. Yes, when we do an ultrasound, we look at the lymph nodes under the arm. So we all have lymph nodes um, in the uh, axilla, in the um, armpit. um, And uh, cancer usually spreads. To that, um, to the armpit, when it's when it starts, just spread.
1: So you might, a patient, might, a woman, might not necessarily find a mass in the breast. She might find feel something Absolutely. in an armpit.
2: Absolutely and we have many women coming in just to check their armpits because of that. Um, so yes so we would assess the um, auxiliary lymph nodes every time uh, we do an ultrasound on a patient and if we see an abnormality in a lymph node we want to prove what it is. So if sonographically we see that a lymph node looks suspicious then we would biopsy it and that would alleviate the need to do a sentinel lymph node biopsy. So what a sentinel lymph node biopsy is at the time of surgery or even before the surgery um, we end Inject um, a special type of radioactive dye um, into the cancer or into the tumor itself, Um and then we, uh or the surgeon, not we, we don't have anything to do with it. The surgeon will then go and open up the um axilla, the armpit, and uh, find that lymph node where it was draining.
1: So, if that lymph node is clear, we know the rest of the nodes are clear, and if that lymph node, has they take
2: count, off. I think they take out three lymph nodes, and they check those. Yeah. And
1: uh, and if those are clear, then we know that the rest of the armpit there isn't. There has Hasn't been spread
2: Yes then uh, Theoretically There hasn't been Spread There are other uh, Less common um, Channels that, uh, that Cancer can spread So to that's other via Lymph, lymph
1: and then It can spread Where and, Okay but And then
2: Just a different, uh, different Lymph nodes oh, so different The intramammary Lymph
1: nodes, lymph nodes it's So that's on the Inside of the chest And above the Collarbone Exactly okay. So those
2: uh, So very rarely Will the sentinel Lymph node Strain into one Of those Okay so the Sentinel lymph nodes Is the primary Lymph node Where
1: the cancer okay. is So affected. that. So the sentinel Lymph node biopsy Is that what So that's for staging to tell how right. how bad the so cancer. Is. So we so we look at the size of well, the. Ca- we I look wouldn't at say the-
2: how bad the cancer is, but the stage. Oh, the stage. Okay. Yeah. So. so-
1: so we look at the, the size of the, ma- the mass, what type of cancer it is. We look at the receptors. Then we exactly. look at
2: the immunohistochemical yeah. stains.
1: So that's the estrogen and progesterone in the HER2. CHI-67
2: as well. What's CHI-67? CHI-67 is a proliferation index, and it gives us uh, the prognostic detail of this cancer. So it will um, tell us how aggressive, how fast, and whether it will need um, chemo or not. Okay. Uh, or neo adjuvant chemo okay. or not,
1: yeah, where else can breast cancer spread besides the
2: commonly okay. um so if once it 's spread uh, through the lymph nodes, it goes into the bloodstream and then it can really go anywhere we 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 often see breast cancer in the liver, we can see breast cancer spread to the lungs so um if uh, it 's safe to say that if there hasn 't been a lymph node involvement, then hopefully there hasn 't been anything spread beyond that um but Okay, so if the lymph mm. node is
1: negative, so you don't find anything in the lymph node, they won't do the rest of the, look in the rest of the body they're for the cancer. Do they always do yeah, anyway. They always will, do anyway. And anywhere. what will they do for that? A PET scan or a... A CT scan, um, I, think MRIs.
2: I think they prefer to start off with CT scans. So they do CT, CT staging or just an X-ray of the chest. They do an ultrasound of the liver. Um, uh, and those are screenings as uh, well. Yeah, screenings. those would be screening on a patient who's been diagnosed with breast cancer just to make sure that uh, nothing has slipped um, uh, in between the cracks. Uh,
1: okay. So if, they, if there is spread, then the patient usually has chemotherapy before s- surgery.
2: Yeah. Um you know so th- there's a lot of um so there's there's either distance spread, which is stage four disease, and that's one um you know sort of that's one level uh but there are other levels in between that, so there's stage one, stage two, stage three, and then in between those there's also different stages so um depending on the different stages um we would treat the patient and, and of course the, mon- the molecular um, understanding of the, of the type of cancer, we would treat them differently but yes, generally speaking when there has been lymph node involvement we would want to um, start off with chemotherapy um, in order to you know, make sure that the rest of the body has been cleaned away from the, uh, from the okay. cancer cells
1: Okay and and in general breast cancer, cancer patients do well i guess Very it depends well. on it depends on the patient it depends on the stage depends on the comorbidities but absolutely we see patients doing well living long Very lives well. afterwards so absolutely. It's, it's not a death sentence it's
2: not a death sentence absolutely it's a it's actually one of the better cancers if you can say it like that to have and especially if caught early 85% of breast cancers are treatable
1: okay and curable okay so, if a patient comes to you for for screening and they they're coming every year and you don't find anything for two years, does that mean that they can skip a year, or is it important that they come? Uh, so,
2: I mean, it's um, it's it's a bit controversial and not because we don't have the scientific data, but because it hasn't been implemented. So national screening programs have only been implemented in about 20 countries around the world. Uh, do we have a screening program here? We don't have a screening program in, in South Africa, unfortunately, but also there's just no funding for it. Um, and most countries around the world, I mean, only 20 or just over 20 countries in the world have screening programs. Um, so it hasn't caught on but those ca- uh those um countries uh that have screening programs um usually have screening um offered at an annual or biannual basis so every year or every two years um and um and yeah i mean that's just how lo and 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 for the rest of your life there used to be a cut off age of seventy five we don't we don't do that anymore
1: okay so you'll screen to the your, for the rest of your for the rest of person's life
2: absolutely yeah.
1: Okay, that's fine. So for those of you who've just tuned in, we've got Dr. Liat Malik. She is a specialist breast. What what I call you a specialist breast radiologist.
2: Yeah, absolutely.
1: Okay, so that's a a field of radiology where they look specifically at the breast. They do sonars and they do X-rays of the breast. We're going to be wrapping up after this ad break.
0: This is Medical Monday, brought to you with compliments of Discam, pharmacists who care.
1: Good morning. Welcome back. We're in the final five minutes of our DISCHEM Medical Monday. I'm Dr. Dean Gerson. We're speaking to Dr. Liat Malik. She is a specialist radiologist who does sonars of breast mammograms and bone densitometry. You can find her at the Breast Wellness Center in Linksfield and Sunnyhill. So how do, how do people get hold of you if they want to make an appointment?
2: Um, they can contact our offices. They can actually go online and visit our website or find us on Facebook.
1: What's, what's your website?
2: Uh, it's www.breastwellness.co.za. Uh, and um, your phone numbers,
1: there, that we can get you? At?
2: So our Linksfield number is 011-640-7637. And our uh, Sunning Hill office is 011-257-2085. Three. Three. Three, eight, three.
1: Okay, we have... Uh, <laughs> Ruth here, who's the practice manager for the Breast Wellness Centre, who's just uh, helping Leah lia- with that. What Do patients need a referral ne- letter if they need to, if, no. to come and see you?
2: No, they don't need a referral letter, um, they can come at um, at their own discretion, um, and um yeah, if they have an abnormality, they must, uh, or they're worried about something. They should let our reception staff know that they are concerned about something, so that we give them an urgent appointment.
1: Okay, that's fine. So if they do find something urgent, they can phone in, and you'll fit them Absolutely, in. Absolutely, hundred percent. Because the screening patients can be booked, I guess.
2: Well, yes, we booked uh, quite well in advance. Uh, we actually recently, just for this last uh, Saturday, had a an open uh, day as uh, to to host women that are working. Uh, Um, and, um, and don't have time for themselves really during the week. So we, we opened up for them. We had quite a a busy day. And, um, and yes, so please let our reception staff know that there is a problem and that they need to see us urgently so that they get an appointment and get fit in.
1: Okay. For women who are feeling overwhelmed, nervous, anxious, where can they get more, where can they get more information about uh, breast cancers and screening?
2: Well, Dr. Google, I wouldn't recommend visiting because he didn't go to medical school, right? For
1: sure, you can. It's very, very <laughs> dangerous, I find, with a lot of my patients. They'll yeah. have a sneeze and diagnose themselves with uh, brain yeah. cancer, God forbid. So yeah. where where should they look? Where's, where are so credible look, sites for them uh, to look? Do you have anything on our, your website? Yeah, yeah,
2: absolutely. They can look at our website. They can look at our Facebook page. Um, the... Um, uh, the Cancer Association of South Africa um has incredible information on it. Um the um the SBI, which is the Society of Breast Imaging, um as well. It's it's a wonderful resource. Um and it's got accurate and scientifically uh based articles in it. So um quite quite good. Yeah. The Breast Imaging Society of South Africa as well. Um uh yeah. So those
1: are the, the sides. Okay. As you said, you're not recommended just to go onto Mm-mm. Google. No. And also I think um Facebook Facebook groups, please don't rather ask, you know, I've got a lump in my breast, what do you think? Don't ask the advice of Google, don't ask the advice of um <laughs> random strangers on the internet. Rather give your go see your your GP or doctor and if you've got a problem you can um phone the breast wellness centre. Absolutely. Thank yeah. you, Doctor Liaat Malik. She is, just to remind you for one last time, she is a specialist radiologist working at the Breast Wellness Center in Lingsfield and Sunninghill. You can go onto her website or you can phone to make an appointment. Thank you for joining us on High FM Disco Medical Monday. I'm Dr. Dean Gerson, and we'll see you next week.
2: Thank you so much for having me.
1: Thank you for coming.